Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled if you've got a pulse. This podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you're fed up with the empty promises, the cotton candy of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called the communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist every single day. Come on, Jesus. Thank you. Guys, really excited. We've got an awesome episode for you. Thanks for tuning in today. But first, before I introduce our amazing guest, I want to say thank you to everyone who has left us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're actually helping us get the word out there that Jesus is alive, that he is about a good work, and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist. Because when you leave a review, five stars, when you leave a review, the man is coming up faster and higher up on these search results for people who are searching for things about faith, things about Christ. It's just so good. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all those who have done that. And if you haven't, guess what? There's still time. Just don't do it while you're driving. Thank you. So today I'm joined by some amazing guests, Maddie Jager, Brian Jacobson, Axel Gomez, and Alex Weibel. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, it's a party. Tell the world out there, what's your state of life? What's your season? Who are you? Uh, Ladies first, Alex. My name is Alex Weibel. Um, I'm currently living in Kansas City, but um, a missionary this summer in Sabetha, Kansas. Um, I just accepted a job as a principal at Christ the King Whoop. in KCK. So excited Dude, for a new adventure. With Father Nick, right? With Father Nick Blaha. He's the yes. boss. He's incredible. He will be your boss. Yes, he will. He is. <laughs> yep. That's Literally. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, originally from Minneapolis and um, yeah, made it down to Missouri where it's a lot warmer. Missouri. Yep. Cool. So you're from, uh, you have like SPO connections maybe? Uh, in Minnesota? No. Great. But I do now here in Kansas City. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So uh, how did you land this? Uh, the, I almost said, how did you land this Alex principal job? <laughs> how did you how did you land this principal job? Like you're in education now or what's that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm I was three years in Blue Valley teaching first grade and then a year at St. Regis Academy teaching second grade um, and just started to realize that I wanted was looking for something kind of outside the classroom and yeah. originally interviewed for a teacher at Christ the King. And then Father Nick emailed me and said, hey, I think you should apply for this. And then St. Therese clearly answered some prayers that I had to walk through some doors and she sent me my roses and Mm -hmm. here we are. That's amazing. Okay, in a minute or less, tell me about these roses. What was the story? Hmm. So I was actually in Sabetha, I was in the chapel on the last day of my novena, Um, smelt some roses in the chapel all weekend long, saw St. Therese in every chapel I stopped by that Mm -hmm. weekend, but had clearly asked her yellow for anything else, red for walk through these principal doors and said, you better make it darn clear. And then driving back from Sabetha, stopped at the Holy Angels Chapel Mm -hmm. in Baser and opened the doors and there were dozens and dozens of roses lining the altar. That's amazing. mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, St. Therese. Dude, she showed up in my life big time too. Yes. Uh, Like literally 
pray to her. Yes. Ask for her Ask for her intercession, and she will show up. She will. She's still showing up for me in Sabetha, and she actually answered my prayers to switch to education as well in wow. general. So That's she's amazing. my girl. Mm-hmm. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, Maddie Lee. Who are you? <laughs> Yeah, so my name is Madeline Jaeger. I just graduated two weeks ago from Benedictine College with a major in theology and a minor in education. No big deal. No, no big deal. Um, yes, and I'm also serving as a missionary in Sabetha this summer. And then in August, I'm going to move to Denver to attend the Augustine Institute. Yee. Yeah, isn't that exciting? Come on. So I'm pumped. So cool. I want to know about this missionary. Is this a missionary ship program? Like what's Father Zars doing? Yeah. Father Zars just knows the Holy Spirit <laughs> and he loves his parish and he loves his parishioners. Yeah. And he, in prayer and just in his drive for mission, saw this need to bring in mm-hmm. young adults on fire for the faith and especially with joy for the faith and bring him to his parish for the summer. Mm-hmm. And so all four of us are actually in Sabetha living here for most of the summer. Alex will be starting her job in July. And our main thing is just ministry of presence, just living yeah. living the gospel as we've learned to live it um, with the joy of the Holy Spirit and reaching out to these families, reaching out to the young adults especially. I like to think of it as JP2 style evangelization yeah. of taking our young people on adventures and showing them that living a Christian life is one of joy and one of freedom. Come on. And so this is the first summer that Father is starting it, but definitely something he sees for the future. And we've only been in Sabetha for a week, but it's already borne so much fruit. And I'm very, very grateful. That's amazing. And you're very well spoken. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Axel Gomez. Who is Axel? Well, I am a beloved son of the Father. Come on, dog. Let's go. And a disciple of our Lord mm-hmm. Jesus and a friend of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's, and that's perfect. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Currently, I go to Benedictine College nice. studying theology and philosophy. Cool. This summer, I'm in the internship at Sabetha, and I'm looking into... In the future, hopefully go to graduate school nice. and continue the path of earning a master's in philosophy and theology. Cool. And theology. Also no big deal. MBD. Are you dual majoring? In undergrad? No. No. Okay. But in his master's, dual dual mastering? I'm a dual double master. I'm a double master. <laughs> Two wings. <laughs> I gotta fly. That's Faith true. and reason, baby. Let's go. Fides et ratio. Uh, actually, that's awesome. How did you, yeah, how did you settle on theology and philosophy both to study at the same time? It was a journey. Yeah. First year in college, I was undecided. Then I decided to try accounting. Counting? Accounting oh, as a major. Oh, I'm sorry. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> yeah, I was so joyless. Mm-hmm. And then I prayed, asked the Holy Spirit, yeah. where are you moving me? It was theology. Yeah. And then once I majored in theology, I had a, an advisor. Oh, I still have the advisor. Uh, Dr. Riches, Dr. Aaron Riches, and he recommended to go to this seminar, three-semester seminar, Faith and Reason. So we looked at 2,000 years of great books in yeah. theology and philosophy, and we finished the third semester this past spring. Come on. And I just love and want to know more. Yeah. Dive deeper into these, you, these two wings. You you strike me as a man who is in love with what it is that you're uh, learning about. Like you're learning with passion mm-hmm. and that's a special grace. So cool. Amazing. Brian, who's Brian Jacobson? Yes, sir. I am from Overland Park, Kansas. I uh, grew up here and actually went to the same parish as Madeline growing up. Um, Church of the Ascension, shout out. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Amen. Uh, 
what else? I went to college for a couple of years and then transferred to college seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in seminary for the last five and a half years, left six months ago. Where uh, were you? I was at Conception Seminary College in Northwest Missouri. And then uh, for three years, then I went to St. John Vianney in Denver, Colorado for two and a half years. So shout out those places as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the most blessed years of my life. Super grateful for the foundation I received there. Um, yeah. Just for, for the opportunity to fall more and more in love with the Lord mm. while I was there. And yeah, like I said, left six months ago, so still figuring out what's next. But yeah. um, the Lord is good, and He's opened up a lot of opportunities for me. So I'm here in Sabetha this summer uh, with these other three amazing people. And then in August, I will start a job as the men's formation lead for City on a Hill. Let's go. Bre- uh, Band of Brothers, is that what they, they call it? They do. Yeah, they run. So Band of Brothers and then a series of other things that I will learn more about as I start the job. Come on. That's great. <laughs> and Band of Brothers, is that basically you guys just all getting together and watching the Band of Brothers, you know, it's TV exactly, series, yeah. basically? Is that just World War Two? you know? Uh, yeah, that's all we do. That's is all we do. Watch it on that's repeat I, I because what more formation do you need? I mean, that's pretty much it, really, yeah. Everything I know about being a man is I learned from Band of Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Uh, well, guys, thanks again for being here. It's awesome to have you. It's such a blessing that the church has you laboring and is in the vineyard uh, with the Lord together. Like when we come together in Jesus' name, anything's possible. True. Come on. Mm-hmm. Take me back to the beginning. Uh, where did your journey of falling in love with Jesus uh, in the Eucharist start and what happened? Um, mine began my freshman year of college. Um, the kind of two moments I remember. I was raised a cradle Catholic, and um, but we didn't have great formation growing up or community and so getting to the newman center i went to the university of missouri go tigers um i saw your ku stuff everywhere (laughs) i I wasn't gonna comment i was gonna be nice um but yeah went to mizzou and the the newman center was incredible um and i decided to go on the awakenings retreat which is a retreat um where you get to go as a retreat in one one time during college and just went off to a lake and was time to just kind of yeah encounter the lord Um, and I was sitting in adoration during their big chunk of adoration time and just realized like, yeah, I'd gone to Mizzou all by myself and just realized this is where I need to be. These are the people who see me for who I am and care Mm -hmm. for me and love me. Um, and just, yeah, encountered that in front of Jesus for the first time. And then one time was in adoration in the chapel and our priest, Father Joseph said, Hey, I'm going to step out for a second. Are you going to be here? And it was the first time. I just like was in the church that was so big, but it was just me and Jesus and just this, yeah, I don't really know how to put it in words, but just this realization of like, wow, this is truly me and the Lord. Like it's not me and just this piece of bread and a monstrance, but like Jesus is here with me and what a gift to just be here with him by myself. That's amazing. And you came, so you said you came from Minnesota to Missouri alone. Yes. Wow. What faith. Yeah. That's amazing. Good on you. Thanks. Yeah. You're so strong. I could just see you're such a strong person. So cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And how profound it is because like when you when you go back to that encounter with our Lord in adoration, you said it perfectly when you said, I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Encounter always involves some dimension of I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. You just encountered 
Yes. Words weren't needed. Yep. Wow. Mine was kind of similar. Um, I, I grew up going to daily mass often with my family and uh, just, yeah, receiving the Eucharist, also going to adoration and things like that. But I don't know that I actually had a deep encounter with the Lord. I don't, I don't know that I ever doubted that the Eucharist was the Lord, but mm. um, just that ongoing conversion yeah. is still taking place. I'm just trying to grow in deeper faith that that is the Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and He loves me dearly. And one, one turning point for me in that conversion was also at my Newman Center at the University of Nebraska right. in Lincoln. Go Huskers. Go Big Red. Anybody? No? <laughs> Nobody? Okay. You, you husk, yeah. those, husk those husks. Husk the corn. Yeah. <laughs> so at this, uh, kind of kind of similar to Alex's story that she just shared, I was uh, at a social with my fraternity uh, while at the same time there was an event at the Newman mm-hmm. Center going on that I was trying to get back to um, called Night Fever, just adoration, praise and worship, confession, all these things. Uh, I couldn't find a ride back from the social though, so... I got there as they were cleaning up mm. uh, at, at the Newman Center. I missed it, but I decided to just pray for a little while anyways. It's about midnight uh, when the, when I started, and eventually everybody cleaned up, left the Newman Center, and it was just me and the Lord. And um, I think I was, I don't remember exactly, but I think I was in there for about two and a half hours, and it was one of those, yeah. felt like five minutes. It was incredible. Um, the Lord and I just took a journey as friends, uh, into my own heart, into how he saw the campus. And it was, it was kind of in that moment that the Lord gave me a taste of his heart. And I experienced many, many emotions that night, uh, from, from laughter and joy of just being in his presence and deep peace to, to sorrow for my own sins and the sins of those around me and realizing, uh, how many people hunger for the Lord that are not, not experiencing him. Yeah. And uh, for me, that was a powerful moment because, and, and then it was kind of confirmed the next morning, I was talking with some friends and one of them said something and I, I almost interjected, oh yeah, I was talking with a friend about that last night. And then so I like, good. caught myself, oh, that was, that was adoration. Our Lord. That was our wow, Lord. That's beautiful. And that was like, that's kind of when it clicked, like, whoa, that, yeah, mm. we're tight now, I guess. <laughs> something, I, one, I just want to give a shout out to whoever it was that let you in to the chapel because... I don't think I don't think church workers. If you're out there listening to this and you work in a parish setting or you work for an apostolate or whatever, but like your your yes and no, uh, your availability could change the trajectory of someone's life. You could like that person could have been like, Nah, man, we're we're cleaned up, we're done. We're, you know, just everybody out, everybody out. I gotta go home and watch my show or whatever. No, they said yeah, and because of that, you're sitting in this chair. This is like, true. Who's to say what life would look like for you had that not happened then? Like the Lord's obviously faithful and he provides and shows up and uh, encounters us in whatever situation we avail ourselves to. Um, but yeah, I just, here you are, like the living fruit of that one person's yes, mm. just to something so simple. And I was some, I was reflecting too on what mm. you were saying about how a, a turning point, you said a turning point. And yeah, it's true. Like even, even those uh, who are raised Catholic and awesome pious, you know, Catholic homes where the love of the Lord and the fervor for the faith is there. It's almost as if sometimes it can feel like we're just like wading through a room with like partial vision or partial sight. Like it's almost as if it's the the ground is fogged over and you can't actually see where it is that you're stepping. 
But when those light, when that light shines, uh, it becomes more clear as to which direction to actually, you know, go. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that is that relate kind of does that jive with what you're saying, or you're like Lee, that's great for you, but not for me. <laughs> no, it does, yeah, because that was actually not only the turning point in my relationship with the Lord, but yeah, the light. That was, that was kind of the beginning mm-hmm. of okay, I, I actually I need to go to seminary. I need to see if the Lord is calling me to be His priest, mm-hmm. because um, a Lord that is this good will not fail me. And yeah, so the, definitely the light, it, it made things clear yeah. um, that were pretty, pretty hazy at that time. That'd be a great Episcopal motto out there for anybody who's about to be ordained a bishop. Um, just kidding. But <laughs> seriously, like a God this good cannot fail me. Yes. Dang. That's going to be the title of this one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I know for me, at least, my story of falling in love with the Eucharist is very simple and takes takes time. Yeah. So I know sometimes I um, get nervous sharing testimonies because I feel like I need to have this big moment. Right. You know, which and there are plenty of beautiful, beautiful moments in the Adoration Chapel. But it started very simply with my parents, as many, many good things do. Shout out to John and Melissa Jaker. Shout out. Love them. Um, but they decided against the will of all the young kids who did not want to spend one hour in silence mm. to have a family holy hour. I think when I was in middle school, maybe grade school. And it started with me reading chicken soup for the soul for a year. Cause I didn't know what to do. Mm. <laughs> and I, and I had like, I love the Eucharist because of my parents and because of the gift of faith. I knew it was Jesus, but yeah. Jesus was boring, frankly, at that time. Right. Sorry, Lord, I love you. <laughs> but chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> he loves you too. And he, he does. Gets, he gets what it is to be a teenager. So. Yes, he does. He does. And so for a year, that was about it. And then for another year, Father Tom Tank taught me the five, the five finger prayer, you know, things you're grateful for, things you're sorry for, things you want to pray for, things like that. And that was my adoration hour. But then as time went on, and especially through the grace of confirmation, I started to realize that kind of like Alex was saying that this disc in front of me that was truly the Lord yeah. who loved me and saw me and wanted to have a conversation with me. Yeah. And then adoration became something indispensable for my life. And especially living very close to Church of the Ascension, I was about two minutes away. When I began to drive, I realized, okay, and there was always a, at the stoplight, left was Ascension, right was home. Mm. And I lived two minutes away. And so I would often at first kind of guilt trip, like take a left to stop by sure. adoration. But then it became just a part of my day. I had to say hi to him or I had to, especially in moments where of heartbreak or moments of anxiety because he was so close to me physically, which is a grace. I'm so grateful that we live so close to um, the church. He, He was my place that I would go. And I began to understand in my heart the peace that I left with every time. Yeah. And because I had dear friends who also love the Eucharist and we talk about it or before we go hang out, we go to adoration or things like that. Um, I recognized how my heart felt in his presence and mm. the love I felt in his presence and the more intense times of tears and consolation, but also the more dry times. Yeah. And it just became such a big part of my life and being blessed to go to a Catholic school and a Catholic college where mm. there's 24 seven adoration. Um, it's, it's been beautiful and he, yeah, he's the place I go to yeah. and I'm very, very grateful for it. You come to the, literally, you literally came to a crossroad mm-hmm. and you felt this something inside of you say, oh, I could go and pray mm-hmm. and just stop by. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we experience that and we say, oh, it's like a guilt trip. But I think that's the virtue built up inside of you that's mm-hmm. calling out for you and, and trying to remind us of what it is that actually fulfills us. Mm-hmm. Truly. You know? Yep. It's like love is not always warm and fuzzies, daisies and rainbows. It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's it's showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've learned that through 
<laughs> the grace of daily prayer because mm. it took me so 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 long to develop the habit of even if I don't feel it I'm gonna be here yeah but that's what taught me how to love that's what taught me how to be a good friend that's what taught me how to be a good sister is you know I know that Adoration Chapel is not going anywhere I know exactly the turn I know mm-hmm. I need to pray every day yeah. and then a habit of da- daily adoration which you know we still have our days of failing has taught me how to sure. love or taught me how to be virtuous yeah. yeah so and even in those moments too is like okay yeah you're like Lord, I'm really just tired. I love you so much. I'm going to go home and sleep. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to honor that. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's going to shame us except ourselves. And that's from the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. that is the Lord is not the Lord of discouragement. He's the Lord of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Come on. Yep. May I just add something to that? Get in there. So I think the part of one of the fruits of Madeline's adoration is that she's here today with this team because I, I would see her all the time. In an adoration chapel, it was like almost every time I went to Ascension, she was there. And so when we were compiling this team, Father Zars um, asked me to be part of it. And then I started, you know, recruiting people yeah. with him. And uh, I was like, Madeline Jager needs to receive an in- invitation <laughs> at least to be on this That's team because awesome. she is in love with the Lord. <laughs> and so there's a very direct fruit Amen. of adoration. Yes, Thanks, let's Brian. go. Let's go. I am a revert and I reverted when I was in Italy. In the military. For Italy? Oh. No, I wasn't. Our military? Yeah. Great. I was, I was in the see, military. You don't sound Italian. So. I, don't. <laughs> I was stationed in Italy. Okay. In Naples, Italy, two and a half years. While I was there, I had an encounter with the Lord besides going to adoration sure. to, or the Eucharist, but I encountered his presence. Then when I started to read my Bible, at first I went to a Bible study with a Protestants mm-hmm. for, a, for a year. That was the first thing that I saw. Yeah. At work, there was a flyer that says, come to Bible study. And I quickly knew in my prayer that, and talking to my parents about my baptism, my confirmation, sure. that I didn't even know it was confirmed when, as an infant in mm-hmm. Mexico. And I thought, well, this is a good movement that I felt from yeah. the Holy Spirit to go back to the church, the Catholic church. I met my priest. There's a chaplain in every, almost every station in the military. Mm. And in, in Naples, there are two bases. There's one base where it's the housing for the families. Mm-hmm. For 20, 30 minute drive is a base where the military works at. Okay. They have their operations. They're running missions there, sure. different commands. And in this chapel, I went through RCIA for the first five months mm. when I asked the priest if I can, that I want to come back. Yeah. And after my RCIA, I got my first communion, my first confession in that weekend, Let's March go. 2019. And then I saw, you know, my experience of adoration for the first time. The way they set it up in the chapel is they have, you know, the altar, the host, the monsters, and the lights shining on it. Mm. And I couldn't put into words of that encounter. There's sure. a different encounter, more tangible. And over the years, I, th- I began to realize that the communion is a nuptial. Mm. It, it's a body going in a body. Mm. Christ's body going in your body. So I thought, wow. This is how the nuptial act should be, without tension, without entitlement, without fear. And that just put more into perspective of the nuptial meaning of our, our bodies. Mm. So I just felt more and more and more in love, and I just never stopped going deeper and deeper deeper in love. Mm. And that word nuptial, I'm a word geek, means to wed. So it's, it's almost as if the, the Lord in, a, in an individual, personal way espoused himself to you. Yeah, it's, it's the creator wedded with his creation. That's profound. Uh, <laughs> actual thank you. Uh, so tell me, uh, you, you served what branch? 
How long? The Navy. Okay. 2012, joined 2012, got out 2020, so eight years. Okay, cool. So you were, you were in the Navy for eight years. And what was that like? Like, when did this, when did this reversion, you, you called it, uh, happen in that eight years stint? So only happened maybe fifth or sixth year in. Okay. So I was in San Diego, first time, four and a half years, 2012. Were you a SEAL? No, I was a CB. That's construction battalions. Cool. But it's not CB, like the letter C is, is S-E-A-B-E-E. Got it. Our logo is a B, a fighting B. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> and this logo building has six, no, three arms, maybe four. Okay. I can't remember exactly the logo. You can look it up. Sure. And it has a Piper's wrench, uh, a hammer, and I think a, um, a uh, electrode. A rod, like a welder's rod. Love it. And the, uh, the other arm has a, has a, a, tub, a tummy gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's our logo. That's funny. That's incredible. And you, so you, which, which of those did you fall under? Like uh, I was a welder. Oh, cool. Primarily. But everybody's a builder. Yeah. Everybody's a carpenter. Cool. I had no was, idea yeah. that this, there was, a, it's its own thing. So mm-hmm. that's cool. A CB. Well, thanks, man. I thank you for your service. Thank you for keeping us safe and for, uh, yeah, serving the, the U.S. of A. You're welcome. Yeah. So tell me about your relationship with the Eucharist today. What does that look like today? Yeah, I would say that um, I'm, I've just recently, I I was, um, yeah, teaching second grade last year. And honestly, my second graders um, have helped me recently fall mm-hmm. in greater love with the Eucharist. Um, I had two little girls who chose to come into the church this year and watching them just like we'd go into adoration every day or every Friday, yeah. not every day, every Friday. And um, yeah, watching them just like in awe and wonder of the host and the monstrance mm. and um, the way that they, yeah, all of them would just like beg for me to take them to adoration. Wow. Um, and if we would miss a Friday, it was, they were like actually sad. Yeah. Um, and to just, yeah, I don't know, I guess watching their awe and wonder and their conviction at such a young age um, for the Eucharist, um, and their excitement to receive the Eucharist Mm. for the first time I went to their, they got confirmed and received their first communion on the Easter vigil mass. And it just like brought me to tears watching them, like their excitement, um, to receive this, yeah, the Eucharist for the first time. So Mm. I think recently watching, yeah, my littles just fall in love with the Eucharist has, um, helped me fall in love with the Eucharist more as well as blessed. I was blessed to have a chapel at St. Regis. So realizing that, yeah, as a teacher, the days can be hard and realizing that the days that I start my day in adoration, I'm a lot better Miss Weibel than the days that I don't. And there's a lot more patience on those days that I start with the Lord than I don't. Um, so yeah, just watching and experience the impact that yeah, starting my day with him has yeah. and a greater desire than to start my day with him. And the faith mm-hmm. of children. Pff, yeah. Same thing with my kids. Just like, I mean, they're not second graders yet, but wow, how much they impact my own faith. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's off the charts. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're just simplicity. And they've taught me this this year just that the Lord's simplicity and like his simple love that we can overcomplicate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we would pray using scripture every day and I'd just say all right Jesus what do you want us to learn about and we'd open the Bible and read the scripture whatever it opens to and I'd ask them at the end then okay what did Jesus say to you and no matter what it was just like 
Jesus loves me. Jesus loves the poor. Jesus loves this person. Jesus right. loves that person. And sometimes I'm like, this has nothing to do with what we just read. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> the simplicity of what is God to them, God is love. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, they're, Come on. those are powerful. Come on. Have children. Have lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know for me in this stage of my life, something I've been reflecting on a lot with the Eucharist is that he is my stability. And being someone who just graduated from college two weeks ago, I'm moving to a new place in August. I'm a missionary in a different city for the summer. There's a lot moving and grooving and a lot I feel like I can't grasp onto anymore. Young adult life. Young adult life. Exactly. So shout out to young adults. (laughs) We're all there. Um, But the Eucharist and he is someone that never changes. And I remember feeling that particularly when I was on college visits and visiting colleges far away from home and feeling a lot of that anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. And something I realized praying in the chapel was that he will always be with me because he told me he would be. And the Eucharist has been that stability in this kind of crazy season of discerning next steps and feeling like I'm on the edge (laughs) of something new and something beautiful, but something also terrifying. And so developing a habit of prayer and a habit of adoration and vulnerability in that over years and knowing he's the and especially when I move or especially even in Sabetha, which is beautiful, like he's the only one who knows my heart completely. Mm. And I want to know his heart completely. And that one hour can be just an exhale of, oh, okay, you know me yeah. <laughs> and you love me. And I don't need to put up facades and I don't need to be happy and cheerful all the time if that's not where my heart's at. And I don't need to like pretty myself up for you is what mm. high school teacher always told me in prayer is Madeline, you don't have to pretty yourself up in adoration. This is the one place you can exhale and allow his love to receive you so everywhere else you can be authentic and everywhere else you can um forward along that love that you receive from me in this one hour yeah and so that's what it's been for me and it's tempting especially in areas of transition to forget that and to be like oh i'm so busy i can't pray today but then kind of like you were saying alex it's so noticeable in um, my weaknesses when i don't pray and when i'm not with him and so he needs to be my stability in continuing in this transition so recently I started to read Von Sheen's Teach Us How to Pray, or Lord Teach Us How to Pray. And in that book, he goes over the Our Fathers and petitions mm. in seven last words on the cross. And he also looks at the Mass, seven parts of the Mass, I believe, in line of, in line of or corresponding with the seven last words wow. on the cross. Mm, mm. And during that reading of that book, there's a, there's a, he had a, a push for holy hours, having a, a daily holy, holy hour. And I remember that in one of his, uh, video, one of his uh, yeah, videos or his, um, telecast, or telecast. Yeah. Broadcast. If, whatever. yeah. If, sorry, if someone doesn't have time for one at one holy hour a day, then give, you have to do two mm. <laughs> because you, you're very gulp. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're very busy yeah so you need two hours <laughs> but lord don't you know that all i'm doing for you like come on <laughs> exactly yeah so once i finished that uh book i went to the next book actually before that book i went to victor victor over vice so it really helps help me yeah identify my vices identify my sins ask for forgiveness be in a state of grace now in a state of grace i could pray in a state of grace i could meditate in a state of grace i can go at holy hours on a state of grace 
And now, I, during those holy hours, I bring some spiritual reading. Sure. Um, I'm reading Silence in Silence with God by Benedict Bauer. Um, he's an abbot somewhere in Europe. Cool. So he's very Benedict to spirituality. And I do that for like 20, 30, 25 minutes. And the rest of the holy hour, I just go into mental prayer. And mental prayer is a listening prayer. So I don't have to do anything but listen. And it's hard to listen, especially yeah, in my milieu. For sure. Because I'm bombarded with music, mm-hmm. movies, conversations I've had. Yeah. But I commit myself daily. Try to com- I commit myself as much as I can, go to daily holy hour and pray and just be there and encounter with the Lord yeah. in the Eucharist. And that helped me with mass because I would do a holy hour first, then mass. Mm. Now I want to even more fall in love with mass. So I, my spiritual director recommended me to read a book by Ronald Knox, Monsignor Ronald Knox called Mass in Slow Motion. So that's my next literature. I'm going to the mass. Literature. Big, trying to get into the participation. Yeah. Heavily participating in mass, being a, a host yeah. with the priest and his hosts that he consecrates. Mm. Trying to be sacrificial in my own offering, in his, yeah. in his own offering. So bringing materials to adoration can be helpful is kind of what you're saying. Like you, you have a listening period and then you have also a time in which you are receiving uh, just in a different mode uh, from the Lord, like through these uh, people who the Lord has communicated uh, his truth and his grace through. Um, is that where you're, is that a fair synopsis? Or? That's a fair synopsis. I'll also add that prayer in its basic form is talking and listening to God. So in your, there's, I use two modes in adoration or holy hours. Sure. I talk and then listen. Yeah. St. Therese Lisieux says, prayer is nothing more than the lifting of one's heart and mind to God. Mm-hmm. And even before a word is uttered by either party, us or the Lord, it's just this lifting of this heart, um, heart or mind, right? Just this, this mental ascent to the Lord's presence, his reality, his, yeah. And then, yes, of course, speaking and listening. Amen. I love this. I'm learning so much from just listening to Axel. He's like very much the, he's got the Dominican spirituality of the, the intellectual life. I see it. And uh, yeah, and then that leads to prayer. I think I'm more of the Franciscan spirituality. For sure. Where I'm like, I don't know how this works, but uh, yeah, just love the universality of the church. For me, maybe the, the way I summarize what the Eucharist is for me today is it's just home. I know that wherever the Eucharist is, that's where, that's where I belong. That's where I'm home. Um, I had a grace one, one night, um, an adoration also in Lincoln. But when I was going back there, um, for guard drills, I was in the air national guard for six years. And so I'd go back there every month and, uh, just praying in front of the Lord once really struggling to remain in seminary. And he just gave me this grace of your home, your home here. And, and that kept me going uh, in seminary. And now that I'm out of seminary, now that he, he has called me out, there's a, yeah, I, for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, because the Lord willed that, that memory came, came back and yeah. it's just like, I don't know, kind of like what Madeline was saying, life is crazy. I think I've been in, I don't know, so many, like I've spent a few days in maybe 
25, 20 different cities since sure. I left seminary six months ago. In Just, countries. And yeah, a few countries, a few <laughs> other nice. countries. Um, and it's just wherever I am, I know I can find the mm -hmm. Lord, and that's where that's where I am at peace. And this this also was hit home during COVID when we could not receive the Lord. Yeah. And uh, there was just a wait. This this daily mass thing, this daily prayer in front of the Lord. It's yeah, I'm I'm dying without it. It's real. How many days of our life have we spent watching TV, playing video games? Mm -hmm. How many days of our life have we spent in adoration? Mm. This is not an adoration podcast. Again, this is not an adoration podcast. However, Jesus is there, so come at me. <laughs> but seriously, like how much of our life, if you were to boil it down to hours and days, uh, have we given in that way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to speak to, sometimes it's easy, especially when you listen to podcasts, you read saint books, and you hear these stories of JP2, I think of particularly of how he always knew where the Eucharist was. Right. Even if he didn't know the layout of a of a um, church he was in, he'd always know where the Adoration Chapel is. And that's an extraordinary grace. Mm -hmm. But this thing that we're speaking to, feeling home with the Lord or feeling peace with the Lord or feeling pulled to the Lord, isn't meant for just a few people. It's mm -hmm. not just a personality trait or something like designated for saints. It's meant for everyone. Yep. And just like any relationship, it takes time to develop. But I want anyone listening who might be tempted to think, oh, Adoration isn't for me or the Eucharist isn't for me. I don't feel this yet. I don't you know, all these things you were made for it. You're made for the Eucharist. Yeah. He is for everyone. And so just encouragement in that, that keep going because he is your home too. Just yeah. like Brian spoke to, he's for everyone. Yeah. And the Lord's given us so much more than just feelings too. Mm -hmm. You know, right. like mm -hmm. if we were to live our life out of our feelings all yeah. the time and you would look like, I don't know, the world around you. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> um, so yeah. It <laughs> yeah. So just, yeah. Like there's something so much more than um, how you feel. Yeah. Cause feelings come and go. It's mm -hmm. like the like mm -hmm. tides, man. They're like mm -hmm. tides. It's true. Yeah, there the many, many times I go into a church and I'm like, well, this doesn't feel like home, but yeah. I know. I just know. But there's is. somebody there who is home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So many of our brothers and sisters out there in Christ are wrestling with this Eucharistic reality. Um, what advice would you give someone who's on the fence about the Eucharist, uh, on the fence about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist? I like I like that. Um yeah, there's many ways to approach this, and I think this the way Axel answered, and the way, yeah, just we, that we all have different answers. Um, I I would say maybe, and I don't I don't know if this is the best advice, but when I was praying with this this morning, this is what came to mind. Yeah, find what uh, inspires you, truth, beauty, or goodness, and then know that the Lord is all those and more, and find your way to Him through whatever whatever yeah. one of those truth beauty or goodness uh, really make your heart come alive and for for axel it, it sounds like truth is is a big for you um and and that leads closer to the lord for me it's it's beauty and i don't want to speak for axel so he can he can yeah, correct can me if i'm out. wrong yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but for me He's it's smiling. beauty and i'm finding yeah just finding the yeah. lord in that and, and for others it's, it's good like show me goodness i think uh, for our friend Rick Frederick, who, who shared mm -hmm. his testimony with us last night, he found um, so much goodness in the Lord that he just didn't have because of his rough childhood mm -hmm. and his upbringing and being estranged from his father and yeah. so many things. And then he's like, oh, this this is the Lord and he is good. And right. So it's, it's just beautiful how many ways you can you can come to the Lord. Yeah. But maybe find what makes your heart come alive. That would mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and Axel, I don't want to put words in Axel's mouth at all, but like, yes, he is a truth-wired dude, but it was the goodness of God. It's true. Right? In that chapel. No? Yes. Goodness. Yeah, I'm also, like, I'm an aspiring educator as well. Yeah. And Socrates had a, uh, maybe it's a quote from him. It's, I couldn't find a source for this quote. He is quoted by saying that the, the, uh, the object of education is to, to learn how to love the beautiful. Mm. And for me, love forms mm. my pursuit, the truth, the good, and the beautiful. And beauty is the splendor power of truth. Now, that's a Plato quote. I don't know where that's from either. I try to find a source for that. <laughs> I don't know. People just... Probably Socrates. Probably Mother Teresa. Mother truth. Teresa. <laughs> beauty is the splendor power of truth. So these things aren't... I mean, I'm more wired with truth, but I'm also hardwired in the other end with beauty mm-hmm. and, in the, and another maybe height of uh, goodness. Mm-hmm. This is a true Catholic. Somewhere somebody said once. That's so fair to say because we have so many of those somebody somewheres. Tradition, said. baby. Yeah, let's go. I would say just show up. Um, I think that's what happened with me. Is mm-hmm. there is I think a lot of the times we think we have to like when we're in there in adoration or even receiving the Eucharist, sometimes it's like this okay, Lord, like what more do I have to learn to convince yeah. myself that this is truly you? Um, but when I've tried to do that, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord just wants us to show up. And if we show up, um, he knows the timing. He yeah. knows the moment that our heart needs. Um, and I think that's what also my children, my students proved to me was I had nothing to do with them falling in love with the Eucharist and yeah. wanting to be in adoration on Fridays. All we did was show up. And through us yeah. showing up, it went from them yeah them just like kind of messing around on the first couple weeks to by the end begging me to be in adoration and the last week of school begging us to go to adoration every day because we only have three days left and they want to be in the chapel and so that was just by just showing up you know and the lord worked in their hearts though so i would say just yeah just show up and be patient because the lord knows the timing the lord knows the moment um yeah and i don't Every time I go to adoration, kind of like everybody has been saying, it's not like this like deep feeling of love and and, fireworks. And sometimes I'm sitting there like, all right, Lord, what do you got? Um, But he knows the moments that you need and and he will come. He will come. Amen. It's not our job to convict ourselves of something. Mm -hmm. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Faith is supernatural. Supernatural. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and one thing I would say too, reflecting on this, that's been helpful in my own life is the witness of other people, mm. especially holy priests who are in love with the Eucharist. You can tell during the consecration. I'm thinking of Father Alessandro. Um, he's in yes. Rome right now, but yes. he was a pastor at Ascension for a while, and he would take he would take like a minute. It felt like yeah. to um, during the consecration, he just stared at the Eucharist, and I was so convicted as a middle schooler, high schooler, because I could tell this man, this young man who's a priest. Yeah was so in love with the Eucharist and same with the priests ordained this last weekend, going to their first masses and seeing yeah. how they approached the first couple times that they were consecrating. Um, the Eucharist was beautiful. And another time I'm thinking of as well at Benedictine, we have lots of processions, yeah. Eucharistic processions, which are beautiful. And there was one time I was a little distracted, but grace came out of it. So don't be afraid of distractions, yeah. you guys. But the priest is coming down the aisle and there's all these people 
in the aisle of the Abbey at Benedictine College and I'm distracted. I'm looking at the Lord, but I'm thinking about all these things and my yeah. eyes just fall on this woman in front of me. And I was so struck by how she was looking at the Eucharist mm. because you can't make up when someone's in love. And how do you tell someone's in love? A lot of times it's how they look at the you person just that tell. they love. You, and you can't make that up. You and that, yeah, 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 was so convicting for me to watch her look at the Lord. Yeah. And so don't be afraid sometimes if you're distracted, like there's people, there's faith, there's faith with the Eucharist, especially in priests, especially in those around you. And that's been something helpful for me. Mm. So, and just for, to be clear, like people out there might be like, what are they talking about? What is this consecration thing? Consecration mm. is the part of the mass uh, in which the bread and water uh, or bread and wine, excuse me, there's water in there too. Um, <laughs> but, but it's when those become no longer just bread and water. Mm-hmm. And wine, sorry. I did it, I did it again. Um, Jesus turned water into wine. Right, yeah. right. But you'll see during Mass, though, as the gifts are prepared, that the priest or the deacon, whoever's preparing the gifts, uh, pours a little drop of water in the chalice as well, uh, representative of the Lord's divinity. But just the, the consecration is the point in the Mass in which those elements become transubstantiated Mm -hmm. they they literally are transformed in their very substance yes Mm -hmm. they have the attributes of bread and Mm -hmm. wine Mm -hmm. they look like bread and wine they taste like bread and wine but they are no longer bread and wine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by the words of christ himself Um, but the consecration is that moment in which um yeah the transformation takes place Mm -hmm. and not just that but the elevation of the host and the elevation of the chalice that immediately follows the consecration is what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. that the priest holds up the, the, the Eucharist for everybody to see mm-hmm. and to ever, for everybody to revere mm-hmm. and honor and mm-hmm. worship. And um, yeah, did you know, fun fact, the adoration came from the laity's desire for the priest to suspend the Eucharist longer Whoa. at the elevation. That's so of, cool. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. it's because of that, the adoration became a thing. Wow. Fun fact. That's beautiful. When I reverted, I was very ashamed of myself. Mm. And what helped me disarm that was through uh, Mary, pray to our mother to help me disarm this. I also went through uh, therapy, went to counseling. And then from there, yeah, Yeah. everybody, Mm -hmm. I recommend it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I went into 12-step. That's a community that's helping me build up. Um, disarm, not not to build up, but disarm my shame. Just sure, sure. Have the healthy guilt. <clears throat> understand the root causes of why I behaved. Yeah, mm-hmm. my un- unwanted behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I did, when I untangled all that, those knots. Yeah. I, my doubt, my reluctance, my fear, just it was not controlling me. That's wonderful advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. And Mary, she. Uh, those of you out there who may not know, um, Mary has, there's, there's lots of devotions within the church, within our faith. We've got 2,000 years plus mm-hmm. of, of devotions, whatever. But there's this one devotion. It's called um, Mary, Our Lady, Undoer of Knots. And Pope Francis actually has a, a strong devotion to uh, Our Lady, Undoer of Knots, because she does. Like, imagine, I don't know, like my kids coming to me with something tangled that can't just, something stuck and whatever. It's like, what do you do? You just undo it. You know, mm-hmm. it's and Mary like is the the queen mother, and as any good mama would do, just happily untangles that stuff for us and helps mm-hmm. us see us for what reality truly is the the reality within our hearts, um, our woundedness, um, our our obstinance, 
our, our stubbornness, whatever it is, like she's going to just gently and, and um, yeah, just in just this beautiful motherly way reveal to us what's what, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have an awesome relationship with your mom, um, just know that Mary is an amazing mother and she's kind and mm-hmm. sweet and gentle. And she's also a fighter. She'll tell you what's what when needed. But, um, but yeah, she's just amazing. So yes and amen. That's amazing. I think this might be a good opportunity to transition now into the second part of our conversation. Yes, do. Uh, today we are talking about this awesome document that we've been in um, for for one episode by this point, I think. Mirai Caritatis by Pope Leo Thirteenth, And he wrote this way back when in 1902. Such a great year, am I right? Wow, what a great year. <laughs> Uh, and he released this, he released, he gave this, um, proclaimed this on the Solemnity of Corpus Christi in the year of 1902, um, the 25th year of his pontificate. He had been around the block once or twice by this point. And he wrote this document uh, to his brother bishops. Why? He wanted to stir up and foster in the hearts of all men, all faithful, the dispositions of mindful gratitude and due devotion toward this wondrous sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. That's what he's talking about. And he says that in paragraph two. So, Again, just to clarify, why is it okay for us to read through this document that the Pope wrote to a bunch of his bishop buddies? Why? Well, because the bishops are in charge of these things called people, and we are people, <laughs> and anything that written to the the heads of the church can also, like this was meant to be transmitted unto us mm-hmm. as well. This gives practical formation, practical guidance on how to live the Christian life well, and how to just... it. If we allow it to, it can actually shape and inform our worldview mm-hmm. as to how we operate in faith and how do we operate in just our spheres of influence everywhere. So when we enter into these types of conversations together in a group, it's a lot easier to receive that which the church has already spoken to us in charity. We are able to receive so much and to learn a lot from our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. Um, that's why it's okay, because this is the church and we are church. Amen. 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 All right. So we're reading paragraphs seven through 10 today. And this, I know it sounds like, are you serious? Four paragraphs? I'm like, yes, because these paragraphs, yeah, these are pretty intense. So, Mm -hmm. and again, just why are we doing this in general? It's because the Lord has spoken through and he continues to speak and instruct and inform us through the church, his bride. He espoused himself to the church and he has espoused himself to us. And he continues to speak and the church acts as a as a, a guiding star in the sky on the seas of life to help us just know which way to go and to instruct and to inform and to keep us on the way. Um, so yeah, highly recommend if you're not in a small group already or going through this or listening to this with another you know couple folks, then do it. Do it. Talk to your friends about this because uh, Jesus is alive and he's about a good work. But let's unpack it, guys. What are your greatest hits from this section? For me, I was, I mean, just the first line or first line or two really, really struck me. Same. Yep. Firstly, um, the Pope says the Eucharist is the chief means by whereby men are engrafted onto the divine nature, which is actually what we're made for. We're made to be in union with the Trinity, which happens through the Eucharist, which we could go off on that. But the one that particularly struck me was also in the first line, men also find the most efficacious help toward progress in every kind of virtue. And this really struck me and reminded me of Father Timothy Skoke, his first mass with his family, or actually second mass with his family. Um, Brian and I were blessed to be able to attend that. At the very yeah. end of the mass, you could tell he was just moved to say something. And he said, in the mass, you find everything. Like everything you're looking for, you can find in the mass. And I think the Pope is speaking to this too. Of Everything you're looking for can be found in the Eucharist. 
every trial you're facing, every frustration you have at yourself, every source of shame, everything, the answer to that is him. Come on. And I remember praying about this recently, just really frustrated with myself about little weaknesses. But you know, when you get into that pit, you're just (laughs) so mad at yourself. You feel like you have nothing to offer, but knowing that my heart is made to be offered to him in the mass. And then asking myself like, Lord, what are you going to give back? Like kind of wanting this big intense moment as we often do. And then I realized as I was processing up to the Eucharist, what he's giving back to me is him completely body, blood, soul, and divinity. The entirety of the Lord is given to me in the Eucharist that can help me towards progress in every kind of virtue. Mm. So I think we really often, especially as cradle Catholics, dumb down the Eucharist and just think it's like a little token on your way, but the, which it is meant to be on the way, but it's everything, everything you are looking for to find your vocation, to find um, your charism in life, your mission, everything is found in the Eucharist. If you're receptive to it. And if, as the Pope says later in the document, um, your trust based on your trust and the divine assistance. Mm. So it's both that you receive it, but also that you open your heart to receive it. And that's something I'm trying to work on more as I receive the Eucharist beforehand is praying, Lord, I want my heart wide open to what you have to give me, which yeah. is everything. Cause it's you. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I'm trying to think like, I don't even, I'm not sure we've even unpacked like what the word Eucharist is on this epi- on this podcast, but Eucharist literally it, it's a Greek word that means Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like that's what it means. Mm-hmm upper room last supper he took the bread and giving thanks hmm. broke it and gave it to them saying take de- this take depending on what gospel you're reading yeah, right true. It, it differs but um yeah take this so like this this thanksgiving giving thanks mm-hmm. unto the father and yet yeah, in it everything is found everything and then also just in this it talks about how the decay of faith in divine things is not only pride but moral corruption and just i've been thinking a lot about also lately somebody somewhere it's been also in prayer just um yeah like a lack of faith is pride in ourself because we're thinking we can do it on our own mm-hmm. um and so yeah in our world today there's yeah. a lot of lack of faith and a lot of grasping to i can do it by myself so this reliance on the eucharist and this reliance on yeah. god is us acting in humility um and seeing the ways that that affects my life it's it's hard to surrender and it's hard yeah. to let him take control um but i think this this season of my life that I'm in right now, there's many things happening that I've I've had to surrender and just yeah. watching the beauty and the fruit that comes from it. I was praying this morning saying, Lord, I don't even know how to receive what you're giving me right now. Yeah. Um, and that's come through surrender and finally just letting go yeah. and getting rid of the pride in my life, thinking I can do come it on. by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the admission price mm-hmm. to the Christian life mm-hmm. is saying, yep, I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm man, I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever state or season that's made in, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. Lord, he receives us as we are. Uh, and yeah, if you're, if you find yourself in a similar situation, just the Lord doesn't care. You know, like he, the, the best prayer that you can pray is the most honest one. So just give him whatever it is that you got. Also, I loved what you said in your first point. Um, I think the quote that we, we heard in the small group is God willed from all eternity to give us his mm-hmm. only son. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, just think about that for a moment. Like, yeah. Yeah. Every mass, every day before even the mass was instituted, um, he willed from all eternity. So when I read the document, those, that paragraph, yeah. first paragraph, I went on a interpretive mode. Yeah. I'm looking at what is Pope Leo is saying about this and that. And I'm looking at his background, what he was addressing. Yeah. And I could see him addressing 
a rationalism, a bad philosophy. And that's, this is why I love great books because we, we can read about, we can also read about how this yeah. came to be, what caused this movement of the worship of reason. Mm-hmm. And there's this book co- called A New Atlantis by Francis Bacon. Bacon. He predicted that we would make submarines, that we have uh, manufacturing plants, that we would have telephones. Like he had this vision of a world where faith is pushed away and we have, humanity has reached bliss without any faith. Mm. When did he write that book? Francis Bacon. Let me look 15th it up. Cent- no, 16th century. Oh, wow. 16th or 17th century. Yep. This is before Descartes because Descartes knew, I'm pretty sure Descartes read Bacon, hmm. his work. He went over the his own philosophy of the mind, philosophy of of his, I think, therefore I am. He sees himself as just perceiving reality merely in the mind. Mm. And he views his body as a machine. He views a car as a machine. Well, they want cars. A cat as a machine. A sure. plant as a machine. And then this is the time around where Bacon and Descartes lived, where everything is being mechanized. They started mechanizing things, machines. Mm. Um, and then fast forward to where... The 1800s, Industrial Revolution, maybe before that, 1700s, Industrial Revolution, they industrialized farms. They sure. started industrialized farms. They had banks now. They have more industry. Um, they're building ships for war now. Um, armies are using more advanced weaponry. Sure. And factories are just multiplying. There's mm-hmm. coal energy is being transformed. We're using, I mean, there's discovery of oil. So I can see Pope Leo responding to this crisis of philosophy that we've developed an anthropology that's mechanized yeah. and broken. And he uses the Eucharist as the antidote hmm. because it fights against this autonomy and independent of reason apart from the, the gift of faith. And hmm. faith is a source of knowledge along mm-hmm. with reason. But for a rationalist, rejects reason, or not reason, rejects faith as a source of knowledge. Things... Faith is merely belief, blind belief. So I see Pope Leo trying to solve or address mm-hmm. yeah. the issue of the modern world. Mm-hmm. And G.K. Chesterton, he wrote about the same time with Pope Leo in yeah. his book, Orthodoxy. Yeah. I don't know if you read Orthodoxy, but he sees philosophers attempt to self-destruct their reason, especially with Nietzsche. This The culture is so Nietzschean. They're worshiping their wills and is their power to will it and their power of self and the power and the worship of willing for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even the fruits nowadays, you can right. see this mach- the mach- the mechanized humanity. You have the most powerful computer in your pocket. You can search anything. You can look for what restaurant to go to. Don't even get me started on AI. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's and then yeah. the, the, the AI. I mean, using maps to go around instead of reading a book, uh, a book like, uh, like I, I have an atlas. Sure. So I use an atlas because it's easier for me to look you, you long go, distance. I can, I can. So you're driving a car a to and B. you have an atlas. <laughs> when I go long distance, physical map. Your your double. I, when I drove to Indiana, <laughs> I use my atlas because this Let's is go. better than it's my than a phone. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I can look at roads ahead. Oh, there's a city here, city there. Um, Why I think, not? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm switching yeah. my anthropology. 
Come mm. on. Less mechanized. That's a good. I'll do yeah. it. And I mean, the Eucharist is the ultimate. I would love to not. Anthropology. Amen. Mm. Amen. 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 Capital A anthropology. Dang. Let's go. Not the clothing store. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I would love to not have my cell phone. I would love to use this thing called a light phone. It's like an LTE. I, nope. L-I-T. You, have, I, you have a light I have phone? one. Axel does. A one or two? One. Great. Oh, would I have two? No, like no. there's light phone too. Oh, that's <laughs> a super yeah. Yeah. That was a great I think answer. it's two. Yeah, yeah. Why cool. would I have two? <laughs> but it's basically a smartphone, but not, um, it's basically your basics. Your, so it's not a smartphone. It's not a smartphone <laughs> at all, actually. It's a very dumb phone. It's a dumb phone. It's a phone of virtue. That's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay, so we threw out some names just to clarify real quick. G.K. Chesterton, he was an English writer. He lived from 1874 to 1936. He was good friends with J.R. Tolkien. And mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis, they were a part of this this uh, crew called the Inklings. They would get together at their favorite pub and ask each other for advice on their stuff and not change anything because they were all very stubborn <laughs> yeah. and creatives. So um, they would give advice on each other's writings and, and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah. Okay. And then Francis Bacon, English philosopher who lived from the, the mid-1500s to the early 1600s, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, yeah, he did not necessarily make bacon a lot or eat bacon a lot but <laughs> just a fun last name. Uh, he was an english philosopher and statesman hmm. um just so you know uh philosopher yeah so great hmm. yeah for me the first line really got me as well from paragraph seven moreover in this ad- admirable sacrament i'm gonna read the whole thing for y'all out there moreover in this most admirable sacrament which is the chief means whereby men are engrafted on the divine nature Men also find the most efficacious help toward progress in every kind of virtue. And first of all, in faith. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just think about how Israel, um, pull out your Bibles, folks. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's this process of being grafted onto the vine of divine life. And they do it and they, re- they rebel. They do it and they rebel. And they do it in the rebellion, and eventually the vine is cut down to a stump. And it's the stump of Jesse which sprouted forth this new, um, in Christ, the stump of Jesse referenced in Isaiah is where Christ came from. And it's mm-hmm. from the stump that a new king will come. And Jesus is the king, the eternal king. And he um, also not just allows the Israelite, the, the Jewish people, um, to to be grafted back onto the vine of divine life once again, he allows all people, Gentile and Jew, mm-hmm. everybody, free or slave, it doesn't matter, to be grafted onto the same vine of divine life, and he does that through the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. He does it through his redemptive act of his entire life, because Jesus, everything that Jesus did and said was redemptive and salvific, Mm -hmm. not just him dying on the cross. Yes, dying on the cross and Mm -hmm. being raised from the dead. Yes. But everything that he did, oh, come on. Mm -hmm. And it's just being engrafted onto the divine nature. I don't know the first Mm -hmm. thing about how this would actually physically take place. Okay. If you're trying to graft a branch Mm -hmm. onto another thing, how does that even happen? Mm -hmm. And what patience must be needed to mm-hmm. actually get that to take place? Mm-hmm. Do you use a special kind of branch glue? Like, what do you do? I don't know who holds it there. As a, you know, I, I, I just don't know the first thing about this, but how profound that it's a reality. Look it up. It's real. It's crazy. People can graft living mm-hmm. branches from another thing onto another living thing. Mm-hmm. What? That's mm-hmm. insane. 
And that's why it's so cool that the Eucharist is something that we eat. You know, yeah. I was reflecting on this the other day that we don't just adore the the Eucharist in the monstrance, but we eat it because we become what we eat, right? Yeah. And so literally because we eat the flesh and blood of Christ, that means that we are becoming like Christ. We are entering into the divine yeah. nature, literally. Yeah. And something else that really struck me in paragraph nine was that um, Pope Leo VIII says, the Eucharist yeah. implants a principle of resurrection in a seed of immortality because it's reminding us of what we're made for. Like the Eucharist made out of wheat, you know, is something that's very earthly. But while the Eucharist is literally Jesus Christ, it's a symbol for what we are meant to become because just like the bread is simple and then it's transformed into Jesus Christ through the sacrifice of the priest, yeah. that's what we're supposed to look like. That's yep. why we eat it every day if we're able to or every Sunday is because while the wheat and or Jesus is dissolved into our very being, that is how we're meant to be made yeah. in the resurrection, in the immortality yeah. that is personified in the Eucharist. The church teaches that that's the one thing in which we consume that we actually don't make like unto ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like if we eat an orange, that orange becomes us. Mm -hmm. But if we receive, if we consume our Lord, we become more. We become him. Him and not Jesus becoming us. Mm -hmm. Like the world doesn't need any more Lee, you know, mm -hmm. the world needs <laughs> We Jesus. love you though, Lee. <laughs> so yeah, yes and amen. Yes and amen. I was really struck by paragraph eight, um, just him talking through, I mean, yeah, this is very much like beyond reason, um, but also very reasonable. And I think he, he kind of brings, brings that home in paragraph eight, where he's talking about how it can really affect our, our, um, rational appetites, so our our desires that um, are very tangible. I, I don't really, I should have a better definition, but he says, for these pleasures at the present day, an insatiable appetite rages, infecting all classes as with an infectious disease, even from tender years. This was in 1902? Yep. Mm -hmm. How much more so today? Um, mm -hmm. Just for for these these pleasures at the present day we're infected with so much i mean that's what we were just talking about with the smartphone and there's so much more um even at the tender years uh, yeah and, and and just how much uh the eucharist is a remedy for those for those insatiable appetites yeah. and he even gives the example of lust saint augustine who says mm -hmm. speaking of charity as it grows, lust diminishes. When it reaches perfection, lust is no more. And the Eucharist being the sacrament of charity yeah. is a remedy for that. And mm -hmm. to me, that's all these all these things about it being above reason, but you know, understood by faith and all that is beautiful, but then it's more than that. I mean it, it is yeah. it is truly everything. It's it's the remedy. Yeah. That seems to be the theme. <laughs> yeah. that the Eucharist is what you're looking for. The Eucharist is the antidote to everything. <laughs> uh, in, in paragraph seven, um, Pope Leo, he said, uh, for in this one mystery, the entire supernatural order with all its wealth and I want to be wealthy in Jesus with all its wealth <laughs> and variety of wonders mm -hmm. is in a manner summed up and contained. God gives the entirety of himself any like what's the thing in the Marvel universe? What's the thing they the jewel stone thing? What's it called? Eternal infinity stone that's the yes, one there we go stone. <laughs> it's like there's something divine contained within this finite thing yeah jesus is like you mm -hmm. think you get your you get your special metal glove with all your pretty diamonds on it i'm going to give you my entire life myself <laughs> within this little piece of bread what mm -hmm. ah. yeah. and he says um this is from psalm 60 
verse 4 and 5. He has made a remembrance of his wonderful works, a merciful and gracious Lord. He has given food to them that fear him. Mm-hmm. And the only response, the only proper response to the mystery is love and adoration versus like, I'm going to try to understand this. I'm going to force myself to believe every part about this, you know, yeah. like he's given to us in the context of the mass in the context of love in the context of self gift. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes when we try to force ourselves to understand or to grasp kind of like Axel was talking about earlier with rationalists trying to understand everything, that's not yeah. what he's asking of us. He's asking us to receive him and to love him and beg when we need to, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Sure. You know, he understands that our minds can't comprehend something that's supernatural completely. Man, something got me in paragraph nine. Um, he said, now the venerable sacrament of the Eucharist is both the source and the pledge mm-hmm. of blessedness and of glory. And this, not for the soul alone, but for the body also. Because we are body and soul composites. We're not just one or the other. We're not just having soul talk. But like they are composites. We are one body and soul together. And when the Lord comes again, he's not going to just, you know, green light all the souls who he've already, he's already like screened (laughs) or whatever. He's going to bring us to himself Mm -hmm. in our entirety. So, yeah. Yes. I want to go back to St. Augustine. Do it. Paragraph. It's really interesting that kind of foresaw that moral corruption follows from intellectual corruption. If you're... If you're fed with charity in the Eucharist, it makes it incorruptible. Your desires are ordered. Um, hmm. So for lust, inordinate, it's an inordinate, inordinate desire of, of sexual pleasure. Sure. And the remedy is that's chastity. So you can have this. So you can have these desires ordered, and the proper love for that is eros which is the creative power we yearn for. Yeah. It's a natural thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very a, natural. Yeah. We were talking about those father czars in the pool <laughs> in, bi- biology, in biology that male and female have pheromones. Oh, and yeah. these pheromones seek a mate. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't put pressure yourself on these pheromones. It's natural. Mm-hmm. And with charity, charity forms arrows. Yeah. This is, this is from Pope Benedict's encyclical, God is Love. It talks mm-hmm. about Eros being disciplined by charity. And what's Eros, Axel? The creative power we yearn for. One of the one of the four, one of many. Yeah, one of many words that the Greeks used for love. And this word for love, we don't have that kind of. Uh, we say erotic love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what we mean. When that's what they mean when they say eros, is because it has that same root word, erotic, eros, passionate. Yeah, mm-hmm. passion, love of passion. Yeah. So. But keep going. I just love that clarification. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> So yes, St. Augustine clarifies pretty well what how we order our loves. Yeah. Or these different loves we have with different relationships with our siblings. Yeah. With our grandparents, parents, boss, your coworkers, yeah, yeah. friendships, arrows. Yeah. Especially arrows. Arrows has been totally deprived yeah. in our culture. So much of the Christian life is just learning how to it's growth. Growing in virtue is not easy. It's not fun. And so many of the sins that are just out there, they're like, they stem from good things. Mm-hmm. The Lord, like the enemy loves twisting the good things that we have. Like sex is a, is a great thing. It's a good thing. But when we don't have that rightly ordered, when that passion for that is not rightly ordered, it becomes disordered and it's going to end up hurting us and those that we love. It's this path of learning to order rightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do I use a hammer? 
Do I throw it at a tree? No, I hammer stuff with the hammer. It's like you use it to beat eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can sure do it, but that would take a while. Probably. Yeah, could yeah. be fun. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just want to give a plug for the passions. The passions are good. They're mm-hmm. neutral. They're neutral. Passions are neutral. But what we do about them is what matters. I had also read about Abraham Abraham's um sacrifice in Genesis mm. over the years, and for Faith and Reason course, we learned from Søren Kierkegaard. He's a philosopher, really? Danish philosopher. Cool. A 19th century. Yeah. We read his Trem- Fear and Trembling. And he had four different stories or adaptations of the Abrahamic sacrifice. Mm. Or oh, God required Abraham sacrifice his only son. That three-day journey. He talked about what went on in that three-day journey sure. for Abraham. And the story unfolds when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son and the angel intercepted. Yeah. He said, nope, since you haven't withheld your son, here's a ram. Yep. Caught in the thicket. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, and I can see now what Abraham's faith is and what should be our reception of that gift of faith. Faith in the book of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things not seen. Let's go. And what do we not see? Well, one of the articles of faith Probably the second to last, maybe the last one, is the resurrection of the body. So your faith is on whether or not you believe God raises the dead to life. Yeah. And the Eucharist helps give you that. Yeah. A virtue, a habit of believing God will raise the dead to life. Yeah. And that just is an antidote for despair, an antidote for doubt, Yeah, an antidote for... Anger, hopelessness, hopelessness. Yeah, everything. Yeah, virtue is just the habitual disposition to do the good. Mm-hmm. It's it's what it is. Um, Can I issue a, a challenge? Send it. Listeners? Okay. I feel like we talked about a lot, a lot, a lot today. But my challenge would be: if you've made it this far, you must be serious about the Eucharist. <laughs> True. <laughs> I I challenge people to. Um, sit down in a church or chapel where the blessed sacrament resides, where where the Eucharist is, and just tell Jesus, show me how you love me, and then rest and don't leave until he answers because he is dying to answer that question for you. And He literally died to answer that. Dang. Boom. But I think, yeah, just if you're looking for a place to start, if you're looking to deepen wherever you are, the answer to that question will change your life. Hmm. The Lord would rather die than spend eternity without you. Well, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank this you, is Lee. wonderful. This is fun. I love this. Um, thank you for what you're doing this summer. Thank you for what you're doing with your life. Thank you for your yes to the Lord. And thank you for sharing, because we all have a call to share, um, to, to bear witness to what the Lord is and has done is doing and has done in our lives and through us. Um, And I can't wait to see what happens at Christ the King. I can't wait to see, you know, how many different ways you're able to watch Band of Brothers. Uh, (laughs) Axel, yeah, go ahead. If you're you're a man in Kansas City come August uh, and you're a Catholic guy, hit me up because we're going deep with the Lord. Let's go. It starts with brotherhood, though. That's right. That's right. City on a Hill. That's the name of it. City on a Hill, Young Adult Postulate in Kansas City. Yeah. People literally are moving, by the way, people are literally moving from all over the country to Kansas City because of City on a Hill. Mm-hmm. Dang. Pretty cool. 
Axel, can't wait to see what you do, man. Yes, like, brother. After school? We'll see. Come on. Whatever God's will. Yeah. <laughs> this the program at so this the the school I'm applying, planning to apply is the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology in Berkeley, California. Berkeley. They have a concurrent master's program. Yes. In three years, you get your master's in theology and philosophy. Eight. You get two two two, two masters one. for three years. Eight. And I have to write a hundred-page thesis. And That's this nothing. Thesis. You got three years, man. So. <laughs> Told you, we'll Dominican. See. It's like half a yep. book. You're fine. Well, the Benedict <laughs> College is heavily Thomistic in the theology department. Yeah, you're Sorry. good. That's awesome. Berkeley, man, have fun, bro. Mm-hmm. California. And then, Maddie, can't wait to see what you do post-AI. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, thanks to, again to everybody for tuning in today. Thanks for uh, those of you who've left a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you for helping us get the word out there that Jesus is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Um, the Lord's plan for you is good. It is so good, and he only has good things in store for you. So please spread the word. Send this to friends and family. Send this or whatever, like post this on Facebook or whatever. I don't know. Just do whatever, but get the word out because we have work to do because the kingdom needs you like the Lord willed that you have a part to play in making his name known throughout the whole world so let's get after it together I'm so excited Uh, guys everybody this has been New Mana we'll see you next week